Welcome to the first episode of the TWM Real Estate Podcast. This is a podcast that looks at the influences and influencers of real estate, and it's supported and produced by TWM. Um, I'm Sean O'Neill. I'm a director and co-owner of TWM. And with me today, we have uh, Stephen Walsh, who's an independent economist that has worked with us since about 2014. Stephen was a lecturer in the School of Real Estate and Construction Economics at DIT, now the Technological University of Dublin, for over 25 years. Prior to joining DIT, Stephen worked as an economist with the IDA, mainly in the area of policy formulation and analysis. He has also worked on consultancy assignments for a number of companies in the real estate sector. Stephen has worked with us on our economic and commercial property highlights, which we regularly produce. Also here today, we have Russell Clear, who's a senior investment analyst and associate director of TWM and produces our investment market infogram. Let's kick off at the beginning by looking at Ireland Inc. Um, I'll turn this question to, to uh, Stephen, uh, who can maybe fill us in on some of the high level stats that underlie the uh, economy and also the uh, commercial property market. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, well, I, I think if we look at the key indicators, um, some of them are very positive. I mean, unemployment is now down to 4.3%, which is close to full employment. So I think we're, we're in very good shape from that point of view. Um, other key indicators, that, I mean, taxation has been very strong. I mean, the, the, the tax taken in relation to VAT, income tax, and particularly corporation tax has been very high and grew very strongly in 2022. So that, that's, and that's right across the economy. That includes both the consumer economy and the business economy. Um, other measures like the rate of inflation, um, which we were all worried about 12 months ago, certainly has come down. In fact, we had we had falling prices in, in December and January. Um, we're certainly, we're not, we're not the lowest, but we're certainly among the lower economies in, in Europe in terms of inflation. So while inflation is still fairly sticky in some economies, we have managed to to bring it down here to um, certainly going in the right direction. We're not out of the woods yet, but it's certainly heading in the right direction. Obviously, a negative is interest rates, and interest rates have risen um, five times since last last summer by the ECB, and it's practically certain it'll go up again in, in the um, at the next meeting in mid March, day before St Patrick's Day, and there's every chance they might raise it again in, in possibly in, in the May meeting. But it does seem to have have had some effect in the sense that inflation is definitely coming down in Europe now. Some of that might be due to the um, you know the the, the, the steadying of, of energy price, etc. But certainly, the, the the rate of inflation has is heading in in the right direction. Though it's not it's not over yet, and the, the ECB will certainly um, be looking to their target, which is two percent per annum, and they may well continue to increase rates in the, in in the coming months. And I suppose, just in terms of Ireland, in comparison to other economies of Europe, like I mean, how are we faring just generally in terms of the economic statistics and the performance of the economy? And as you're probably aware, I mean, there is some some debate around the the GDP versus GNP numbers, but we certainly have come out of you know the pandemic following the lockdowns. We certainly come out, um, I think, in a stronger position than many other European countries, and we're certainly doing better from that point of view. We're also, as I said, um, you know, bringing inflation down better than a lot of countries. Not, not every country, but certainly better than than many countries. And I think we're you know, in comparison to the rest of the EMU area, we're in good shape. And I think. I suppose in, in terms of the underlying economy as well, our sectors such as like technology and pharma were probably the best sectors to ha- to, to, to have in your economy, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. I, I think in a sense we were lucky that our economy, because of FDI, we were very strong in, in, in two big sectors that mattered during the pandemic, as you say, pharma and, and, and technology. Um, and, and they did help us through. I mean, they helped to sustain 
the, the performance of the economy when other countries maybe didn't have that luxury in a sense, didn't have that 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 makeup, that structure. Um, we certainly would have done better because of that. In terms of the real estate market, then Russ, um, what we've seen anyway from you know in, in, in TWM is a strong demand from uh, international investors to invest into the property market. You might just fill us in on some of the stats that that you've been accumulating in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we look at the real estate turnover for 2022, it was very positive with a total spend exceeding 5.6 billion. And this is the second highest turnover on record with 29 being the highest at 7.35 billion. And um, there were two significant deals in the year, specifically the sale of the new Salesforce North Dock Tower for 500 million to Blackstone and Brookfield's acquisition of Hibernia Reach for over 1 billion. That kind of skewed the numbers somewhat, but it was still a very positive uh, year in in. 2022 and like I mean they are all international investors you know like you know they're they all kind of invested significantly in the property market so that gives you some indication I suppose as to the demand for other other investors like there's a lot of French German investors as well that have come into the market yeah absolutely when we look at sort of the detail uh, for example the figures show that 70% of transactions for the year were completed by international investors with a further 10% reported as confidential it's likely that part of that 10% were overseas investors so that 70% reported could be closer up to the 80% for the year it should be noted though that's like the transaction volume in Q4 was down in the previous years but that's as a result of high inflation interest rates increasing and um, that was more of a general real estate uh, market trend, not just in Ireland. Yeah, and I suppose that's that's a point to pick up on then in terms of. Um, and I know Stephen, you've just you've kind of kind of alluded to it already, uh, but interest rates um, and where they might be going. I know it's hard to it's hard to have a crystal ball on these things, but where they might be going over the next six months or tw- twelve months. Yeah, well, I, I think as I said, it's a certainty. I think that it, they will they will rise again in two weeks' time. In fact, in, in less than two weeks' time. Um, at the meeting in March and I think every indication is that, that the ECB will continue with, with that kind of profile in, in, in the coming months. So to, to be honest, I, I wouldn't see any any real prospect rates coming down in the short term. It looks to me like they'll 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 stabilise where they are. They'll continue to go up, but not not come down. And why? Do you, like I mean, I suppose from the the layperson's point of view, it seems strange to be intre- just keep raising interest rates and forcing economies into recession. Effectively, like I mean, yeah, that doesn't the, seem to be happening really. It, it, well, it, it, well, it was certainly the fear when when the ECB start raising rates. The problem for the ECB is that their mandate is to control inflation. And the only instrument they have at their disposal is monetary policy, so it's interest rates or the, or the money supply. And that's all they can do. Um, they, they don't have a mandate, or, or they certainly don't have as, as strong a mandate to look after, you know, things like employment, growth, etc. That That's an issue for, for governments. Um, so, so, I mean, something has to be watched very closely. I mean, I have to be honest, I, I, I would have felt nervous about that policy when it started. It, it ha- doesn't seem to have had a major impact so far but we just need to watch it because if mm. rates continue for a long time, it, it could well, could well damage the economy. It could, it could damage economies and, and that would be the logic. But so far, it hasn't really, it doesn't mm. seem to have. It's a bit difficult to separate the, the impact of that and the impact of, say, the energy price rises coming from the war in Ukraine. So maybe when, when the water is a bit clearer in relation to the, to the war, we might have a better sense of exactly what damage interest rates are doing to the economy. What we're seeing is the impact it's having on the real estate market and the main impact it's having is, is on the debt market. So it's there's a problem at the moment in terms of funding. Uh, you know, and I suppose banks are, 
you know, uncertain. There's a lot of risk in terms of funding at the moment, but also interest rates have, have risen quite significantly. Uh, and that's having an impact on the profile of investors coming into the market. I think, Russ, you... Yeah, just jump, jump in on that. It was estimated that close to 60% of the transactions completed in 2022 were actually cash purchasers. Um, so, for example, like many investors that were active in 2022, Sofidy, Quorum, Oroco Zen, Aviva, State Street, uh, were either cash buyers or chose to close the acquisition without debt. That's not to say they might have subsequently put debt in place, but at the time they were closing with uh, with cash. Yeah, and we see a lot of uh, you know a lot of private investors coming back into the market as well. Cash investors buying, you know, uh, and they're attracted, I suppose, on two fronts. Um, one because I suppose prices have eased off a little bit, but also because yields they're attracted to the higher yields that are available. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we look sort of domestically, it was good to see there's been an increase in private Irish cash purchasers, um, and it's for for larger lot sizes than we've historically seen. Uh, one example would be the the purchase of Victoria's Secret on Grafton Street, which was acquired by a private Irish individual for I think it's reported about 28 million. Um, so it's good to see some activity there. Yeah, and uh, one of the things we've seen also, which is having a significant impact on the economy and on the political side of the economy is the um, funding of residential property Um, because what we've seen is it's difficult for developers to make a profit or or for even be feasible to develop uh, residential property at the moment because of uh, higher costs um, uh, the kind of caps on rents and also in relation to funding of these developments so one of the things that would have happened over the past number of years is that institutional investors would have pre, pre-funded uh, pre-committed to acquire um, residential blocks um, and estates and that would have made it feasible for development to proceed however because of the uncertainty both on the construction side and from the institutional investors point of view because uh, of delays in planning and costs as I said um, these are becoming unfeasible for the, for the institutions to look at so you know are you seeing that in terms of the stats Stephen coming through in terms, in terms of residential development and the development stats? Well, I think there's a bit of an anomaly between the, um, if you look at the completions, residential completions last year, they were up extraordinarily high, I mean, about 45%. Whereas um, if if we then look at starts towards the end, which is probably more towards the end of the year, they're actually down. So there does seem to be a, a, a timing issue. Now, it may be that the the, the completions are based on, on, on permissions and uh, and plans made, you know, maybe some time ago, but it certainly hasn't, it hasn't continued. And, and it, it looks like the, I mean, if starts, Turn into completion. It looks like completion will actually be down next year. So we're we're, we're not likely to see. Certainly, based on the, on the information available now, we're not likely to see a continuation of that level of completions. Um, yeah, well, we're, what we're seeing on the ground is is uh, developments being put on hold, um, but also there's there's been delays in terms of electricity supply and water supply coming to developments. So sure. you know we act on behalf of a number of of uh, end users where they can't actually access the developments because of those elements so between planning uh, costs you know infrastructure there seems to be a big impact on on the overall residential market and I think that one of the the residential sector would have been a big um, uh, contributor to the turnover in the investment market over the last number of years but that's that's kind of petering out now I think Russ isn't it? Yeah like when we look at 2022 the sort of residential PRS um, sector was about 33% of the turnover for the year Um, like it has been been one of the, the largest sectors um, over the past couple of years but I think now a lot of the investors are looking more to sites that have planning rather than um, anything that doesn't have planning so it's kind of slowed down a little bit in the, uh, Q4 of last year but it's still very much um, it's, it's a strong sector but it's it's shifting um, as the weeks go by. And then just 
looking at the sectors as well as one of the other sectors that's kind of having a bit of a, a moment at the moment is the office sector yeah. um, because that would have been all, traditionally would have been the most uh, influential in terms of market turnover but that's actually you know there's a bit of nervousness in the market around that particularly in relation to the technology side and job losses um, in terms of employment though I don't think that's really being seen in the stats Yeah well it, it, it's a bit mixed in the sense that I mean employment if we look at the um what we regard as the office sectors um, from the statistics overall it's up but but not hugely across the board I mean it, it, it's it's actually down in two of the sectors it's up we- it's up significantly more than kind of level in the other so overall the the the, the number of office jobs has, has seemed to increase but that being said if we look at the you know the information in the last couple of months about technology job losses um you know it's certainly you know it, it it's it may be strong to wind it, it may be something we just need to watch i mean the 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 reason given by companies was that they reckon they'd overhired in the uh maybe in the previous couple of years and are simply redressing the balance may, that may be the case we just have to wait and see what happens but it but it um i mean on on, on the other markers of, of kind of the office sector i mean things like the services pmi are very positive i mean the service pmi has gone up again in the most recent month in february um and it's 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 now consolidated at a level well above the the kind of threshold level of fifty. So it's at about fifty eight eight as far as I remember, and that's 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 a good score for the services sector. And, and the business expectations side of things is very strong. So it's you know, look into the future. The word from companies themselves is that things are good. Yeah, like I mean, even anecdotally, you can see okay, there's a lot of announcements of job losses, but those uh, people losing the job seem to be picking up jobs elsewhere. Maybe not at the same level or the same sure, yeah, salaries, yeah, 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 but they yeah. seem to be picking up jobs. Yeah. Well. well yeah, you're right, but I mean the, the downside of that is that it means somebody else doesn't get that job, you know. So um, while those who have worked for the larger companies probably don't have any difficulty in getting a job, but as you say, maybe at a slightly lower salary, um, it does exclude somebody else from the job. So you know, it, it's it's the, the net. There's probably still a net loss in, in, in but terms. Ter- but of, in terms of unemployment figures, it's yeah, still yeah. still tight. The market's still the tight. The market's very tight. I mean, at four point three percent unemployment, we are edging towards full employment at that stage, and it's, yeah. there's no doubt that it's um, it's tightened the labour market. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. reflected in, in wage growth as well. I mean, earnings have gone up as well, so it, it kind of indicates the. Um, just, just how tight the labour market is. And I suppose in terms of the property market, what we're seeing is the likes of Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, those those sort of companies who have committed to significant amounts of, of office space have said that they're not going to occupy that, that office space and that will maybe release some extra supply to the market. Now, having said that, a lot of these developments are still in train, so it'll be some time before they actually sure. um, come, to the, come to the market. But that is, I suppose, a, a bit of a worrying sign. It's one of the, the one of the issues that investors are keeping a, a, an eye on in terms of in terms of supply. Um, I don't know, Russ. In terms of stats, kind of, have you seen it? Yeah, it's kind of been a bit of a shift uh, in the past couple of months. Um, occupiers are more looking for more flexible lease terms now, and um, they're not really signing up for these longer lease terms. They want uh, the flexibility, um, and there seems to be a significant increase in fully fitted space as well. Um, so tenants are looking to uh, to basically have plug and play, ready to go space. So that seems to be a lot of the uh, requirements coming in at the moment. Yeah, and it's interesting, I suppose, just looking at that, you know, the the demand, one of the things we thought of coming out of COVID was because of the work from home policies that have come into play, um, that there might be a lot of surplus space coming through because of that. But that doesn't seem to be the case because a lot of the uh, requirements we're seeing from companies, they're not reducing the amount of space that they're they're looking for. They're, you know, they're increasing or staying the same. Um, So that that whole work from home thing is still something to... (laughs) 
that needs to play out a little bit more. I think it's yeah. it's different for different sectors. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, clearly it, it's not relevant for manufacturing. Um, but, but, I mean, I think something has to be watched. I mean, I think you're right. There's no evidence yet that it has affected the demand for, for office space. But against that, we are reading that, you know, certain companies are maybe only having, I think the last figure I saw was 10% on Mondays and Fridays, going up to about 50 to 60% on, on Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, and maybe up to 70 on Wednesday. So, whether it's sustainable long term um, that companies will, 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 will require the same space but certainly at the moment there's absolutely no evidence of, of companies coming back on, on the space they need yeah. uh, One of the other areas I suppose that that's in terms of the real estate market that's that's come into into focus over the last 12 months I suppose really is the retail sector um, and that brings us to the, the consumer side of, of the economy um, so Stephen you might yeah, well, again, again we, we mentioned a few times about unemployment. And I mean, unemployment is a real marker of, of just how strong the consumer economy is. If people have jobs, they spend. I mean, as simple as that. But there's also the um, Consumer Sentiment Index, which now has only marginally improved in February, but it, it took a big jump in January. It's still a long way off what it was 12 months ago, but it certainly has turned the corner and it's above the kind of, that, again, that key threshold figure of 50. Um, so I think that that can only be good news. Now, it, it, you know, it, it, it has, it, it's traditionally volatile. It, it can go up or down. It is kind of, it reacts to kind of good and bad news. But certainly at the moment, the consumer sentiment is strong. Um, if we look at VAT, has been very strong. Income tax is very strong. Um, now, retail sales themselves, we, we, we have focused in, in the report on, we've tended to exclude the motor industry um, just because it's, it tends to be lumpy, you know, a few times during the year. And we've, we've tended to exclude the, the, the bar trade because it's driven by a different dynamic. But looking at the rest of the retail sector, um, it's been relatively flat in, 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 um, in volume terms. And values are up, but values are up, I suppose, in line with inflation. But volume hasn't been, um, which is a bit of an anomaly when we see that VAT, VAT's going up, income tax is going up, sentiment's going up. Um, it seems odd that, and, and, and consumer spending has gone up, that we're not seeing that reflected in, 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 um, in volume increase in, in, in the retail sector. Mm. One of the things we're seeing as well is that is the the uh, demand for the retail market, uh, the retail market investments, um, which obviously reflects maybe that that extra uh, demand that's in the consumer side of things. And one of the questions, I suppose, that came through, or the one of the things that we wanted to watch over COVID, was this increase in the uh, online retailing. Um, but that's not really continuing. I don't think it, it, it doesn't appear to have. I mean, it, it looks like it, it's it's come back down to close enough to where it was um, pre-pandemic. I mean, maybe little, maybe a percent or so above. But that's about it. And the fears we might have had, even you know, eighteen months ago, that we were watching the end of bricks and mortar retailing, is unfounded. I think we, we know we've certainly we, we we can I think relax on that certainly for the first. Now I think I think online shopping is a long term issue. I think it will it will develop. I think it's a generational thing. I think as as you know an older generation kind of dies off if you like and uh, are, are replaced. Um, I think there will be more, but but certainly in in the short to medium term, there's there's no evidence that there's, there's you know, we're watching the the, the death knell of of um, bricks and mortar retail. Yeah, and we're seeing, I suppose, what happened over the last number of years is, you know, retail kind of fell off a cliff a little bit yeah. in terms of the property investment side of things. Um, but that seems, investors seem to have decided that it's hit, it's hit a bottom now yeah. because we're seeing significant interest again in shopping centres. More recently, we're seeing some prime retail investments coming back on the market uh, with a strong audience there for, for, for take up of that. So, Russ? Yeah, absolutely. Like the retail market, it accounted for 20% of transactions in Q4 2022. The total spend for the year was 
um, 356 million. So that was very positive to see. Um, we have seen significant uh, investment in shopping centres, as you mentioned, um, with the likes of Air Square, City Square in Waterford, Scotch Hall up in Drogheda, uh, Douglas Village Shopping Centre in Cork, all trading in 2022. Um, in terms of um, prime retail, I mentioned earlier, it was positive to see the sale of Victoria's Secret on Grafton Street. And you, as you mentioned, uh, we now have 36 Grafton Street and 83 Grafton Street, which are let to Dewberry Books and Doc Martens on the market. So it'll be interesting to see how those trade, um, which we'll keep an eye on. In terms of the shopping centre market, what we found is that yields are yields are attractive. So you see a lot of private investors actually in particular coming into the market looking for those attractive returns. Um, and they, even if they did put debt in, you know, they're at such levels that they can absorb they can absorb the in- interest rate increases. Yeah, it seems to be um, the shopping centres are now sort of transitioning to a destination rather than just historically mm. being shopping centres. Um, so a lot of the investors are spending money on creating an attractive destination for families to come and spend the day rather than just going to to mm. one or two shops. Yeah, and we I suppose in terms of the prime retail side of things, you know, there's been quite a number of, of lettings happening on Grafton Street. Grafton Street had, uh, there was quite a number of vacant units on the street, but there's been about six or seven lettings, I think. Yeah, last, absolutely. Um, so in, in if you go back to, say, December 2021, there were 16 units available uh, and then following positive lettings in the 12 months that followed, it's now down to just six units in December 2022, which is very positive, uh, and these lettings—they're not just um, any 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 uh, occupier; they're they're best in class uh, international brands: uh, Canada Goose, Skechers, Doc Martens, Lego. So it's really positive to see uh, th- those big names coming in. Yeah, and I suppose that's why we're seeing investors with renewed interest in the sector as well, where they can see a floor Absolutely. now. So it's kind of it was quite uh, uncertain as to where that floor was going to was going to be, um, but that started happening now. Um, I suppose l- looking forward then, Stephen, you know, we mentioned the report that we're about to produce, which is again our, an update on our our, our our economic and commercial property highlights report. Um, what uh, what matters should do you think we should be looking at what's coming down the track that we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the, we've already mentioned that the, the interest rate movements by the ECB um, is one we need to, we need to watch. I think we need to watch the the, the playing out of the of the um, the war in Ukraine. Um, what happens to energy prices? I know there's long term plans to to change our energy dependency, but I think short term we still we still are you know, we the dependency still still exists. Another important thing is Brexit. I mean, I suppose there are the three big challenges we face in the last couple of years, um, and Brexit has kind of to some extent taken a back seat. But it's now come back to the fore, and I think you know the, certainly the word in recent days and weeks has been very positive in terms of maybe finally um, a solution to the protocol issue in the north of Ireland um, to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the, of the Good Friday Agreement, and that can only be good news if we, if that is sorted out. And you know, there is speculation that Joe Biden might might come across to in, in some way mark the occasion. So. You know, we, we, we don't know, um, as we sit here now, we don't know, but I mean, it's certainly the, the signs are better than they have been for, for some time. Um, I mean, the other issues I, I, I think are, we, we have mentioned, I think we, we've, we've more or less said that we're not going to worry about it just now, but I think I think the issue about remote working is something just needs to be watched. Um, I think online shopping needs to be watched. Again, I don't think either of them are, are kind of short-term um, fears, but I do think there's something that longer term we do have to keep an eye on. International um, corporate tax policy, I mean, we're going up to 15% from 12 and a half. I mean, people were nervous about this, but it could have been an awful lot worse. And I think that, you know, the jump from 12 and a half to 15 is small enough that it'll have very little impact, I think, on, on our ability to attract FDI. So I think, you know, whatever FDI we would have got, I think there's there's very little chance we're going to lose any of that because of the, um, the, the move to 15%. 
And I suppose the other issue that, that we just need to keep an eye on is, is the kind of, you know, kind of U.S., trade policy and US investment policy um you know maybe in the lead up to the next uh, next um presidential election in the US just what what the candidates are saying um I mean obviously the relationship with China is a little bit fraught the um I think if the Brexit deal is is trashed out I think maybe it might reopen US UK um you know trade relations that were a little bit kind of fraught as well um so so I think you know there's a few things that are sort of there and and unknowns if you like but nothing other than the rate of interest, which is, which is I, I think, you know, it, it's short term, it's something we have to keep a, a very strong on. I think everything else is kind of more medium term and, and uh, nothing that we need to kind of hmm. get too carried away with just at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so I was just going to jump in on that. Um, you mentioned earlier about remote working. Just to, to say, like, remote working doesn't suit everyone. I know it suits a certain demographic of people, but a lot of the younger generation who are starting off in their careers, they kind of need to be in the office sure. um, to yeah, be learning off, off yeah, their yeah. seniors. And it doesn't suit, like, a lot of people that might be in their early 20s that might be living with um, three or four friends um, and they might only have one sitting room and they each have a bedroom. So they're they're living and working out of their bedroom, which which is not ideal. Um, so I think sure. from that side of things, we will see more of a return to the office from from them. So we've covered quite a lot in our first episode of the TWM Real Estate Podcast. I'd like to thank Stephen and Russ for contributing uh, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Um, you can find out more about TWM on twmproperty.ie and this podcast and future episodes will be available on our website. Uh, you can also listen wherever you find your podcasts and we'll see you on the next one.